Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. So welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And we're with Codal Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. You are the agent. And you are my licensed assistant and also my husband. <laughs> so it works out that way. Yes, it does. So, it's been a crazy week. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just been a crazy week. Yes. And we're glad that it's now Monday. So we record on, on Mondays and on, on Wednesdays. So these are always pre-recorded. It's been kind of a crazy week, but... We finally get a chance to sit down and have a great conversation. Right. And it's uh, National Police Week, I believe, or here yes, it is. soon. Yep. And in front of the microphone, we have Sheriff Becker. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to get an opportunity to speak with um, you know community members, and thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, I also know May is it, a lot of stuff going on in May. Mm-hmm. Um, Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. It, it's another topic that's dear to my heart. Uh, mental awareness yep. month overall. Yeah, we're so. doing a fundraiser right now um, at the sheriff's department. Uh, we really take mental health very seriously. You know, um, the last few years we we saw a turn in law enforcement and how we we're handling you know certain complaints and where people were going when they needed help. And uh, um, some changes were being made. Some positive changes were being made. And then we had a good opportunity to look at our training. And uh, we implemented a crisis intervention training, um, and we've been doing it for many years now. Mm-hmm. And with the thought of that training is the cost. You know, it's not mm-hmm. cheap to hold training, and the CIT trains 40 hours a week. So you've got to find so many people to present all different um you know, training segments of, uh, of the entire week. And we partnered up with Crisis Intervention. Uh, Katie Sizz oversees um, our Crisis Intervention, and she's also familiar in law enforcement. So we put together our, our training, and we're uh, going to have our, our 10th class coming up this fall. And I'm very proud to say that we've trained well over 200 local law enforcement officers in, this, in CIT. So the month of uh, May... What we've been doing is selling patches, and I have them on my uh, my shoulders right now. They're green, um, you know, representing mental health, and we sell them for ten dollars a piece. And then we have pins that we sell for five, and all that money goes towards the CIT train um, that we're going to continue and we're committed to. And last year, didn't you do a breast cancer awareness patch too? So you mm-hmm. guys have a couple different patches that you have. Do you still have the? Yeah. The breast cancer awareness one as well? Yeah, we do. And that's pink. And uh, we still currently sell that. And what we do with that, we'll either find a recipient that is going through cancer or we'll donate them to a cancer center. Uh, last time we donated uh, some money to a cancer center up in Marshfield and another one up you know, down here in Wisconsin Rapids. So how can people get the patches and pens? Then give us a call or take a look at our Facebook page. You'll see the post that has all the information on it. Otherwise, give us a call at 421-8715 and ask for Cal. Um, she'll set you up or you can stop by the sheriff's department and pick one up okay do the officers i'm sorry not officers deputies no they're the same (laughs) do they carry them with them so if where they're at i'm not saying like a traffic stop sign we can you know just exchange money and in a patch at a stop sign but do they carry them in their cars as well no no they they don't we uh, just have them you know going through our front office okay Mm -hmm. awesome and um i believe Christensen was, uh, or you have a mental health yeah. officer specifically? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, we put in for a grant through Legacy, and what we found that, you know, investing into the the CIT training and the mental health side of things, you know, especially with our with our jail, we had a lot of issues in our jail with some mental health, you know, concerns, and um, we looked at that really closely and put in for a grant through Legacy. Where we've got a position now available once we were, you know, awarded the grant, that we've got somebody that's going to not only just follow up on mental health calls of service, but take a look at other other ways that we could, you know, formulate really good relationships out in the community, not just with our, you know, our stakeholders, but going beyond that. I mean, mental health is a is a very 
um, I don't even want to call it a hot topic, but it's it's being looked at quite a bit, especially in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm proud to say that you know we looked at this years ago, um, probably you know five plus years ago, and said, hey, we need to really change the way um, or train a little differently, and that's where CIT came into it, and and that built throughout the years. And Doug Christensen, who has that position, really, you know, I I wish he was here because uh, I, I I love talking about the story of why we are here because once those changes came into play on how when we would be called to like a welfare check, you know, checking on somebody's well-being, they're, they're struggling in the community, um, a lot of those decisions on where they went were up to law enforcement officers. Okay. Well, state statutes changed where really now it's up to, uh, you know, the county's crisis intervention. They make the decision uh, if that person needs to go to a mental health facility or they stay home with family and they create a safety plan or, or another option. Um, and Doug struggled with that because he's, you know, he's the person at the call and he's like, well, I, I don't agree with what you're telling me I should be doing. I think that this person should get some treatment somewhere. Um, you're telling me that, you know, the person should stay with family. Um, and I disagree with that. And then at that time, you know, and this was more than five years ago, um, he was coming to my office. So I was supervising the patrol division at the time and he was complaining. He just did not like what was happening, these calls of service. So, you know, I honestly got sick of it. I'm like, well, what do you want to do differently? And and it just felt it wasn't working. So I reached out to the crisis supervisor, uh, Katie Sizz, and I said, what, all right, we've got somebody really struggling with the changes here. Um, what are we going to do about it? And then she brought up the CIT training. So we sent Doug. And when he went to that train in the Appleton area, you know, the Appleton area, the Appleton Police Department, kind of on the forefront, along with Madison Police Department, on the CIT training and developing those, you know, community partnerships and handling these calls of service differently and understanding them. He came back with, you know, the light bulb went out and he just said, hey, Sean, we've got to send everybody to this. Um, and we continue to send Doug to, you know, some training because um, working with some social workers and stuff and just how, I wouldn't say the system's broken, but just showing where the disagreements are, right? He went into a room full of social workers and they didn't know he's a law enforcement officer. And what do you think that they're talking about and blaming on where, you know, their struggles are. Mm-hmm. Their struggles are with law enforcement with this change. And that's where we probably could have been better back then to have this training before then. But anyway, Doug took that as an opportunity to, to really say, you know, well, wait a minute, I'm a law enforcement officer here, and this is how things are going with how I'm handling these complaints. And, and you know, it was it was enlightening. But with Doug, he kept building on, he didn't give up even after he went through CIT. He came back to our, our department and said, this is something that we need to continue to push, the mental health side of training in law enforcement. And so we started sending uh, uh, deputies throughout the state, um, primarily to Appleton, in Madison, and then and we sent a couple of deputies up to the Ryland area for the same training. And then, then we sat down as an organization with Human Services and said, well, why don't we provide this training here locally? You know, have this training locally for our local law enforcement officers so they can connect with the stakeholders that are locally, and they can see what's happening when these calls of service come in. Somebody calls in a, a welfare check, and now we know what, steps are going to be taken to help that person out, you know, and, and not everybody has to go to a mental hospital. Right. Um, there could be some other things that could, you know, we can do to help them get through a tough situation and they don't, you know, get handcuffed, put into a police car and then driven to the nearest mental hospital, whether it's Norwood, Winnebago or um, somewhere down in Madison. Um, there's other options out there. And that's something I really, really agree with. Um, once I finally got to go through the training, I could see it. And I finally went as sheriff. And, and like I said, I'm very proud of, of the the relationships that we've built, you know, with our community stakeholders, with human services. Because, you know, working together, whether it's the sheriff's department, human services, uh, any other county entity, you know, working together is only going to provide a better service for the taxpayers, bottom line. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, it's a it's a neat story that, that you know, I, I could I could talk all day about, uh, but it was just something that that really started with uh, an individual um, out on patrol that just 
didn't want to give up. And Doug's pretty stubborn, <laughs> uh, but just a great guy. And he's in a, he's in a position now that um, is ideal for him and the department. I hope the, that, that division or, or that position kind of grows where we can get more people involved with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see how it goes the next couple of years. Uh, it's nice to see a local foundation agreed with us and, and it's providing the funding for, for two years of that position. It's, it's my intent that, you know, that's something that we're going to continue. So with the, the mental health part of it, I always think of therapy dogs right away. Mm-hmm. So is there talks of bringing in a therapy dog and to have it there, have it for, for Wood County or for, have a couple therapy dogs? So that way, you know, going to the jail, you know, some people may open up a little bit more as they're petting a, a cute puppy, mm-hmm. you know, for those welfare checks to, you know, a distraction for those kids. You know, most of the time we think of law enforcement, we think of the canine group, right? you know, those dogs are designed for a particular reason and they're there for a reason, but having a different breed maybe for a therapy dog that kind of comes in and just is there to, they all look cute, but. All right. No, people love dogs. Right. They love dogs. It's always about the (laughs) puppies, you know. No. And, you know, getting on our canine unit, we have four, you know, canines, um, one per shift. And we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for the community support. You know, the sheriff's department years upon years ago, um, Ray Starks was our first uh, canine handler and we we just had one. That was it. And then uh, I think, um, I don't know how many years ago, then we added another one and that was Joe Zerflo at the time. And what you saw with, with uh, any canine program, whether it's the Wood County Sheriff's Department or a police department or any other sheriff's department is that community support. And I'll tell you the last couple of years, you know, we looked at, we had another um, opportunity to add a canine. Uh, we budgeted for it, and there was another handler that was really interested in it. And um, the other, the first handler was was picked Justice Arndt. We had a, like a promotion process, but, and Justice finished number one. And Christine Bethard, you know, career goal to get into canine. And, you know, so we've got a new, uh, a new vendor here in Wisconsin called Josephine Kennels down in Dodge County. And, that's awesome because sending people to get canines, we are sending them all over the country. Right, you know, you right. have to find a, a, a credible vendor and we are going down to Indiana, South Carolina. And then all of a sudden, Hey, there's a, um, a vendor now here in, in Wisconsin in Dodge County with some ties here to, to Wood County. And so we, we started kicking that around and then we decided to send justice down there to get his dog. And it was really neat. He went down there and he got to pick the dog that he wanted out of group. And while we were down there, they had a couple of dogs that were also law enforcement, um, you know, available for law enforcement and they're German short ear terriers. I think that's okay. right. But anyway, they weren't, they weren't that typical, um, you know, German Shepherd or Belgian Malinois. It's, you know, a different, you know, look to a, a dog. And what can, you know, we utilize those for us. We're talking to the owner. So oh, this is be a great dog for PR, um, number one. So we're kind of getting, I'm answering your question okay, eventually. Okay, I know. I know we're going to get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, you know, drug work, tracking and stuff, but not the, you know, the rest kind of stuff. Right. So It's not going to um, be the takedown take dog. Right. So anyway, um, long story short, uh, we came back and um, Christine did a bunch of fundraising and got so much community support, we were able to move forward with uh, getting her a dog like that. Long, uh, It didn't work out. The dog just didn't work with her that well. So our vendor was awesome. Mm-hmm. He warranted it, took that dog back, got her a different one. Now she's back on patrol with a little bit more typical, you know, police dog, okay. um, but something more that fit, you know, what she could do. So that's going really well. Um, we did talk about a therapy dog and thought maybe, you know, somewhere in the courthouse, now that we do courthouse security, when anybody comes into the courthouse, who's been doing it for quite some time, I believe almost a year now, um, maybe that would be a good fit, you know, because we could have, you know, a friendly dog there for people that are coming to the security station. 
um, maybe that would be a, a fit. Um, but you have to look at, you know, a handler, you mm-hmm. know, and you have to also look at the expense of if you're going to get a therapy dog, you're almost going to have to have the same type of equipment for you know, a normal police dog. Right. And that's, and that's expensive, you know, and having four right now, I think we'll stick with that for the time being. But I think that that, that could be an option. I do like what you had brought up with the jail. You know, and I think we'll talk about the jail in a little bit here, but um, you've seen that in other jails and other settings. Um, I know a DA's office, I think in, it's in Langley County, has a therapy dog. And I think that's a good fit when you're dealing with uh, victims of crimes that are, you know, needing to tell their story if they have to testify or something that, that's comforting. People really love canines, really love dogs. Right. I'm, my son goes to UW-Eau Claire every single time it comes close to finals week. They always have you know, the therapy puppies. Sure. If you're a little stressed out, you know, go to this room and, you know, there's a room full of puppies to play with and they're therapy, they're therapy dogs. They're, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a room full of puppies that are meant to be there and they have their, their goals. And I always think of that whenever, you know, stressful situation, mm-hmm. it's always nice to have something kind of cute and fluffy in the corner that, you know, might be nice to play with as you're trying to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of, um, you see a lot of law enforcement agencies that, that do, you know, have them. And I'm not saying that we won't. I said right now we're, you know, moving forward and acclimating to having, you know, four dogs. You know, that's, you know, we're not a huge law enforcement agency, but we're kind of a medium-sized, you know, organization. And it really would not have happened for, well, two reasons. One, Christine had interest, and in, in we want to invest in our people that work, you know, work for us. And number two, the community support. You know, mm-hmm. they're expensive. They you are know, bottom line with the equipment, the training, they're talking like $20,000, you know, around there. And, you know, that community support is just, it's huge out there, mm-hmm. especially in a time right now. It's, um, you know, I, I love to say that I'm a law enforcement officer, especially in Wisconsin, um, you know, getting to network with other sheriffs, other law enforcement agencies. I think we're, I think Wisconsin's we're, we're in a really good spot. Definitely. Well, one of the things that I'm, Really enjoying hearing. Uh, we had Chief from Grand Rapids, Chief Mel, and you know just a lot of the community leaders. Um, you know, Mayor uh, Blazer was over mm-hmm. the other week. Um, y'all are saying the same thing that the community is really, really supportive of these programs, and um, we can show that law enforcement isn't just you know the Gestapo and all you do is you know laws and write tickets and all that stuff. There's so much more of a community impact that you guys can bring. And it, it's, it's refreshing. One of the really great things about Wood County, their department, they have a really awesome, spectacular group of people and they do Wood County Rescue. Mm-hmm. So Wood County Rescue is all about the volunteers mm-hmm. from from the community. Right. And that kind of ties in with the Project Lifesaver, mm-hmm. which also kind of ties in with the uh, mental awareness portion of things. Right. Um I know Project Lifesaver has been going on for quite a few years, and it's a program where um, identifying people who might be wanderers, might not be fully mm-hmm. there cognitively, or, or a whole other list of reasons why they might be on the program, but fitting them with the transponder so that they can uh, be tracked if they're aware that they've left their, their yep. property. And, you know, the rescue squad, along with a lot of other departments in yep. the area, are... are no, it's, it's uh, you bring up a great point. Um, Project Lifesaver has been, boy, I'm going to say close to 20 years, you know, maybe a little less, but it was a tragic situation that we had in uh, in Wood County here where we had an autistic boy um, wander away from home. And we spent many, many of man hours, many volunteers came forward to try to, that we're looking for him. And, and the, the situation ended tragically and, and that gave, 
us as, you know, community, you know, leaders and our leadership at the time to look at programs that could be available to help prevent these types of tragedies. And Project Lifesaver was at that time, um, came together and believe Dave Laudy, one of uh, uh, my predecessor, um, great person, um, person that I really um, look up to and, you know, emulated my, my, you know, leadership style from started researching that and, and put it together. And here we are so many years later. And uh, right now, Deputy Sarah McCormick has been overseeing. She's been a liaison for the Sheriff's Department. And the Sheriff's Department really started it. And then it just, it grew. And it grew a, a lot, obviously, with rescue. Your other fire departments throughout the entire um, county. Human services now is a big part of it. Um, so it, it's a it's a really um, big program that's nice that um, is available for people that you know whether it's a, an autistic child or or a, an elderly person that has dementia um, that might you know wander off. Um, this is a good opportunity for you know to really prevent a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and Carrie, like you said, the rescue squad, well, it's got a long history and it's all volunteer. So- yes. Talk more about the squad. Yeah, no, a great group of people. Um, I don't know how many years it goes back. I just look at the pictures that are um, on display at the squad room and I'd say it's probably in the 60s, maybe. Maybe yeah, the even 50s longer. or 60s. Yeah. 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 But it just it starts with a core you know, group of volunteers and it's just been able to sustain itself for you know, 50 plus years and with, um, you know, great, great leadership there. You've got Mike Weiberg, one of my, you know, best friends that has stayed in, in that, you know, with, you know, running rescue for so many years. And, you know, right now it's, it's, you brought up, you guys both brought up really one really big point. These are volunteers, right? They're not mm-hmm. getting paid for, for anything for any other time. And then the equipment we obviously pay for and maintain, but other than that, that's it. You know, so the cost to the county is very minimal and the service you get is, you know, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get into a car wreck, we always tell our children, make sure you get in a car wreck in Wood County because the people coming to get you know what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. properly trained and Ben was on Wood County Rescue for several oh. years. So my boys got to meet everybody who was going to be there and they're like, yeah, if I get into a car accident, you know, I want Josh to come cut me out of a car. I'd be okay <laughs> with that. So we would always have those conversations of, mm-hmm. you know, at Wood County's roads are always really safe because they, they really are because we have a great volunteer group to come rescue them. So yeah. let's kind of talk a little bit about the equipment mm-hmm. on Rescue 3 or on Rescue because I mentioned Rescue 3, which is the big truck that everybody always mm-hmm. sees coming down the road. So that's got the jaws of life in it. Yep. Um, and it's got a whole bunch of other fun tools. But some of the stuff that, sh- that most people don't get to see unless it's a special occasion. <clears throat> but you guys have a boat. We do. And it serves as a, a couple different functions. Um, it's a dual purpose boat that rescue has the opportunity to use at any, at any moment. And the sheriff's department also uses it for patrol purposes. So it's a, it's a dual purpose boat. Um, you might remember the other boat we had. It was probably from the fifties. Yep. It was vintage. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and we were talking about, you know, how do you upgrade that? And, and you really can't. So we sat down and, um, worked out something that was going to be a dual purpose vehicle that wouldn't be exclusive to rescue, but it fit rescue's needs and it wouldn't be exclusive to patrol, but it still fit patrol's needs. So that was one of the you know nice things that, that we looked at that we could get where we could justify utilizing it, not only for search and rescue, but also for you know patrol purposes, because there's a few bodies of water Especially in, um, you know, Southwood County where you have the river, mm-hmm. um, you have Lake Wazicha and Lake Nepco, uh, you have and Lake Pete Dexter Mello. and then you have Pete, well, you know, it's a connecting, you know, um, connection of a body of water down in Juneau in Adams County. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a need for a boat at, you know, at both levels. So we've had that, the newer boat, it's been quite a few years now, but those opportunities to get equipment like that where they can be used you know, in a dual purpose, that's great. We're working on trying to get a UTV. Um, we got one for patrol and, and we just have to see if we can tweak that to, you know, make it more applicable for, you know, rescue. 
right, to uh, help with rescuing someone out of the woods, maybe a, a mm-hmm. stranded hunter yep. or someone to or a snowmobiler. Yeah. Snowmobile, mm-hmm. sure. We added tracks to the to the UTV we have, and just just to make that vehicle, you know, utilized for the entire year. You know, so, and, and that's something very popular right now, UTV and ATV. Mm-hmm. You're seeing so many um, townships uh, throughout our, our state, you know, and cities even opening up. Uh, Vilas County, a few years ago, I vacationed up there. And right downtown, people are bringing UTVs, ATVs up, and, and, and they opened everything up. So I, I think that's probably, as as we move forward here in Wood County, some part of the future, I, I don't know if, I couldn't say if the city of Wisconsin Rapids or the city of Marshfield would would do that, but they might have drop-off points or something very similar to a snowmobile trail. But I know that that's a, a pretty a pretty big uh, and hot topic right now, especially in town of Grand Rapids, yep. uh, where you, you see a lot of residents that are um, looking to move forward with at least some sort of route system, mm-hmm. maybe similar to snowmobiles, but that's going to be a decision that, you know, our community leaders here in, in the town are going to have to decide upon. But I know that there's a lot of people talking about it. Well, there's a lot of connection with the trails down in Rome through mm-hmm. Nakusa and then Saratoga, Port Edwards. Yeah. Uh, I saw a bunch of signs pop up in Port Edwards. You know, ATV road is all the paved roads. Yeah. Right. So it it's, especially us being more of a rural county, mm-hmm. uh, even though we live in the city of Rapids or the city of Marshfield, there's a lot of rural yep. countryside between here and there. Right. Yeah, there is. And like I said, it's going to be, and I know that the, the leaders, our county board members and the bar leaders, the highway department and things like that have been taking this up and, and trying to establish a safe route system. I mean, there are some roads that, you know, UTV should not be on county roads that have a higher um, density of traffic sure. and speed limits. You know, you have to look at what's the safest way we can share the roadway with, you know, UTVs. We're already sharing with pedestrians, bicyclists, motorcycles, horses, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're adding another vehicle um, that's going to have lighting on it. You're going to have a lot of those requirements by state statute, but you still want to look at the route system itself and making sure that it's it's safe. Like the one that jumps out at me the most in our county, on a, you know, a very busy county highway would be County Highway A from Pittsville to Marshfield is a very heavily traveled road with some curves in it. And I wouldn't have an issue of people crossing it, but sharing it... I think that's a safety issue. And I think those are fair conversations to have, you know, opening everything up. Um, I think that could be a, an issue. Um, but if you look at, you know, the County as a whole and establish a safe route system, I would be in favor of that. Uh, I really would. This is something that recreational people like, uh, if you look at, you know, Northern Adams County, I think some people buy property there because you do have that option of taking a UTV, an ATV, and and you can travel miles. Yeah, you know, right. Portage County just opened up most of their roads, so I think all of them. And I was talking to Sheriff Lucas over there, and he said, no, you could take a UTV from, let's say, the Kellner area on the Portage County side and take a route all the way to Eagle River. That'd wow. be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you knew it and were comfortable with it. And, and I just think that's probably, you know, the way of the future, how people are, are looking at, you know, the recreational side of things. And, and people look at that when they, when they buy property. You know, if, if you have an opportunity to have a couple acres and you have a route system that's close to where you're, you're going to be buying property, that's an, that's an option to, to do something. It's like almost being at a lake where you can take a boat out. Well, here now you can take a UTV and, and go see some parks or, or something like that. We actually had an article written by Realtor.com of the entire country looking at areas that are hot for second homes or vacation home places to buy. And they called out Nepco Lake here in Wisconsin Rapids and Wisconsin Rapids area in general. And, you know, that's one of the reasons with all the tourist activities that we can do here. Right. So Mm -hmm. you you had a... Well, I was thinking that the the Hummer... I'm just trying to go through all the the rescue <laughs> items that we have in in the garage from my memory and I know that the boat was there because yep. low voltage wired it. Yep, the bolt. And uh and and wave runners. Yep, we got mm-hmm. the wave runners and we've got the the Hummer. Mm-hmm. The MRAP is that what MRAPs. Yep, that's for the sheriff's department our special response team. Okay. So getting back to the Hummer, um we do get equipment from the federal government called a 1033 program. 
you know, we have a couple of representatives at the department that look on a website and if there's surplus equipment that could fit our needs, we can, we can get that. And that's where the Hummer came from. And we had two of them for a while. I was going to um, say, I knew we had two. Yeah. And we held on to them and Mike had, Mike Weiberg had gotten the first one, uh, a lot of community support with getting donations to outfit it. Mm-hmm. And then we had the opportunity of getting a, a one that's a little bit bigger. Okay. And so we had two for a while and then we were able to sell um, one of them to a, a local police, well, not a local, another police department, I think on the west side of uh, of the state. So okay. now we're down to one, but another um, utility vehicle that mm-hmm. if we have, you know, situations, whether they're in a rural area or in a wooded area, um, muddy or something like that, when we had the floods, you know, many years ago. Right. It was down by the state <clears throat> state building there on Second uh, Avenue. Yeah, we're utilizing that vehicle, and it was free to the county. You know, and when we when we got it back, yeah, the modifications we had to pay for, but that's where the community support came in um, to to provide donations to outfit the vehicle, putting an emergency lighting in it, um, equipping it, um, putting a siren in it, things like that. And and you get to the MRAP. That's that's came through the same same program, but that's an armored vehicle that's exclusive for a special response team, which the 1033 program is, is, is awesome, you know, Mm -hmm. because it gives, you know, agencies like ours an opportunity to get, you know, equipment that we couldn't afford. That armored vehicle, you know, is valued at like $700,000. There is no way that we could, you know, get that in our budget. And no. here, um, you know, the military or the, the federal government had many of them, you know, lots of law enforcement agencies took advantage of that opportunity to provide a vehicle that now is going to keep, you know, our, our people safe. Bottom line is um, you could buy a Bearcat for half a million dollars or a couple hundred thousand dollars, but I take this opportunity to get something that's about equal and for a fraction of the cost. The right. best The best case scenario for a lot of those more intense scenarios is to stop them early, you know, either with negotiation or mm-hmm. some other means. Um, a story from a county over on the east side of the state, when these first really came into the state, uh, they were having it upfitted with the lights and they said, you know, hold on, we, we don't need it quite upfitted today. We've got a call out and then found out what the call was, a uh, barricaded subject mm-hmm. with a rifle. They pulled up with the vehicle and the person pretty much threw down the weapon and just walked right mm-hmm. out. And it was part of a negotiating thing, which they didn't even need to get into the worst case scenario. Right. right. And they didn't then need to have it there for a rescue or, you know, the other purposes mm-hmm. that it has. Yeah. They're, they're vehicles that, you know, they have an appearance that they might get somebody to cooperate. And that's, that's a good thing, you know, and, and, but then you got to look at the, the safety um, that we want to provide, you know, our deputies and law enforcement officers. And if you can get, an, you know, a chance to have a vehicle like that, that is ready to respond to a situation you exactly brought up, it, it, it gives you at least some sense of comfort that not only for those, those officers and deputies, but for the community that, Hey, we've got something out there that's keeping our people safe. So Wood County Rescue also, every year we have the state water ski show. It's Mm -hmm. a weekend, weekend long, or it feels like it's a week long project. It starts on Wednesday, goes all the way till Sunday. Right. It it just feels like it. So Wood County Rescue is trained for that weekend. Mm -hmm. They are stationed out there from the minute it starts to probably a little bit after it ends. And again, you know, we mentioned the wave runners, the jet skis, and Mm -hmm. that's one of its sole purposes is, is for that weekend. So that way the skiers are safe and the people who are there is also safe as well. So, you know, a really great group of people for rescue. They are. Uh, no, that's a huge community event that um, they're a big part of. They sign up for all the, um, you know, any type of rescue um, situations that come out there, whether it's a down skier or just, um, you know, somebody that's watching the the show and, and they're having issues. So they're on site for the entire entire um competition so we're gonna have that this year i know we didn't last year but no that'll that'll be back great i know there's a fundraiser going on on the 15th of may so Mm -hmm. the show is going to air just after that unfortunately okay so we're going to have to follow up and see how well that goes it's over at wild horse or double down i guess it is now yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and again getting back to the community sport we talked about canine 
Um, but just even with rescue, when you know they do not have a budget, there there is no line item in the sheriff's department budget in budget anywhere saying that rescue is getting you know an, an allotment of, of funds. They're not. The only thing we've committed to is the equipment. Well, the county does own the equipment, so we're we're definitely going to continue to maintain it. So um, they're only operating on on donations, mm-hmm. you know, and and time the time that all of our members volunteer, um, that's worth something. It's time away from their families that they're going out and doing out of the goodness of their heart, uh, community service. Right. And Cranberry Blossom Fest is coming up and you guys are always rescue three. The rescue team is always in there. So usually three starts out and then they're all numbered. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we always have rescue three in the lead and then everybody else. So all of those drivers that are in there, those that is rescue and those are all the volunteers who are driving mm-hmm. those. And it's always kind of neat just to see how much you guys have progressed of, you know, normally it was just maybe just the, the truck. I think, it, isn't it for Rescue 4 is Rescue the truck? Rescue 4 is the pickup truck. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, just having that and then just seeing how how much you guys have. Yeah. And, you know, it's a group of volunteers who are doing it. Right. Yeah. And just the, the community support. I'll, I'll keep going back to that's why Rescue exists. And then... The really strong working relationships with um, you know the other other fire departments because that's mm-hmm. they're all peace you know um, they have a response area that's primarily Southwood County but you know we've talked about that and that's probably one thing that that we've changed more and more is hey you know the county is paying for the equipment you know and I think everybody in the county should see it. You know, and we've gotten uh, some other opportunities, whether it's parades and all the fire departments know within the county, if there's a, a an issue going on, whether it's a house fire, you need help with traffic correction or something, it doesn't matter what part of the county it is, rescue can respond. Um, so that's, I wouldn't say a big change, but we've, we've worked on that just to establish those strong working relationships mm-hmm. with, you know, other fire departments, you know, because they're all one team. Right. I know Rescue also does uh, rescue and recovery in the water and mm. or in the woods. So if you've got, uh, again, the, the worst time of people's lives are when their loved ones are, are passed away. Mm. Maybe they don't know where they are. So the recovery of um, a body anywhere in the county, I've heard rescue respond everywhere in the county for that. And if I remember this right, Wood County, this is something special to Wood County. This is not every county has its mm. own department rescue department that this is something that wood county has started they have maintained throughout the years and it's it's a very unique group it is is not many sheriff's departments um excuse me within um the state have a volunteer rescue unit there's auxiliary units Mm -hmm. but that's different because those those folks aren't responding to emergencies they're probably either out you know, assisting with a sporting event or a large community event or something like that. And, and rescue will help that, but rescue's primarily responsibility is to respond to um, rescues that are that are going on, uh, whether it's a tragedy or helping out with a traffic crash, providing, you know, traffic direction, um, helping us secure a scene. Um, there's, a, there's quite a few other responsibilities that rescue has, and it is quite unique to, to Wood County. Uh, not many uh, other sheriff's departments or counties have uh, a unit like this that is totally volunteer-based. Oh. Are they going to be doing, is Run With the Cops, is that going to be happening this year? Or Good question. Or not allowed to to say? So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, they're talking about it. I know okay. that the events um, are starting to come back through Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping as we get through this summer that that'll be an event that'll come back. Because very successful. That that partnership that law enforcement has with Special Olympics is huge. Yes. You know, and I've, I've seen that throughout the years of my career of just getting that opportunity to partner with them. And then seeing the funding that has raised stay locally with our local athletes is just, it's, it's huge. So I'm hoping as things start to return to normal, whatever those might be. Um, but once the events start coming back, I'm hoping that's one that'll, that'll be back along with the polar plunge. Yeah. And I know that rescue theory was always at, mm-hmm. you know, the, the run with the cops, the guys do a great job of walking people through what the equipment is, what it's used for, that sort of thing. And usually during rescue week, I think it, that's what it's called, but we always met over at um, the church okay. over by the old Shopco parking lot. And you guys always tore apart a car. Oh, and yep. 
you know, it just explaining it to the public what these these it, what the equipment is. And I know that with having Rescue Three sitting at our house, people would drive by, they would stop, and we mm-hmm. would go out, we'd answer questions, and this is what this is, and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it's a good group of people who yeah, and that's they the, know their equipment, and they're great mm-hmm. with working with the public too. Yeah, that's a big part of um, the volunteers. The equipment goes with them to their when they're on call. Um, the the vehicles with them so they can respond quickly to it. You don't have to drive all the way down to um, the station to to get it get get in the vehicle then leave. You're you're responding to that emergency right from you know your your residence whoever has assigned the vehicle for that shift and I believe they're twelve hour shifts. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of time that people you know take. You know a lot of people are on shift work and then they they might have worked nights and then they agree to take the truck for the next twelve hours. Well, there's expect to be sleeping but if a call comes up you know they're expected to go mm-hmm. and then trainings and meetings every week every so, week on tuesday nights yeah mm-hmm. so it's, it's quite a bit of a commitment but they're volunteers sure but they're also highly trained volunteers yep. well we we hope the uh the unit stays around for quite a while well if i have anything to do with it they will well excellent mm-hmm. it's a great group we've it always is. enjoyed rescue and we always like trying to find out you know where is the truck? Yeah. So you drive down the road. Do I know that guy? Where's he going? Where's he going? Did they get a new driver? So yeah. we, we had mentioned the canines. We'll circle back to the puppies, but you mentioned the canines. You, mm-hmm. We have four canines yep. for Wood four. County. Mm-hmm. Recently, we had a sad event. Uh, we retired Toro um, from patrol a couple of years ago, and he was uh, he started off with uh, Deputy uh, Joe Zerflu at the time, then trans- transitioned into uh, um, James Pigeon as the handler. And we retired him uh, two years ago, but he had almost 10 years of working working service to Wood County, which is pretty uh, rare. You normally don't get um, a dog to work that long. Um, it's usually probably around eight years, maybe a little less. How do you tell if a dog is ready for retirement? I mean, uh, normally a human, you can ask them, you know, would you mm-hmm. like to retire? But uh, how do you communicate with the puppy to find out whether or not they're ready for that retirement? That's a great question. Um, it really boils down to the handler and the handler working with the dog and the observations that, that he or she sees. And furthermore, obviously the vet. You know, we the dogs are getting, you know, checks every year. And if we're noticing an issue with with a dog, we have them checked out with the vet. And that could tell us, too, like, hey, it's probably time, and that's happened before. Um, but it really boils down to the relationship that the handler has with the dog. They're going to notice it. And I would never expect any any handler to try to push, you know, a dog into extra years of service when it's probably, you know, not, yeah, not good for the dog or or the community. You know, so um, it really boils down to that, you know, the handler and the, and the dog and that working relationship and obviously the vet's opinion as well. So um, Toro retired a couple of years and then the, James and his wife, Nicole, had a, had a, a tough decision to make. And we had to put Toro down because he uh, uh, was having some, some major issues. And we did that um, a couple of weeks ago. And, and that was hard. Um, Jim is still part of the Canadian program. He has another dog, Sig. Um, mm-hmm. So Toro had a couple of great years of retirement. But people don't understand that, you know, losing a pet really sucks. You know, if, you, if you've gone through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, it's hard. But now multiply that by like a thousand. Um, now that was Jim's partner. And and I know it was it was hard for him, so I'm still thinking about him and and his family. Um, they did a you know an awesome thing taking him on and giving him a couple of years of of uh, retirement and just being a family pet. And I'm, I'm sure Toro enjoyed that. But um, that's usually um, what'll happen. We'll get the years of service out of dog, and then once we feel that the dog or the handler feels that the dog needs to be you know not you know working anymore. And, and moving towards retirement, and then we'll sit down and we'll, we'll go through that process. And normally the handler will get the dog um, gifted to them from the county. 
and then the, the dog transitions into a pet. So right now we have four. Um, Justice Art has Timo. Uh, James Pigeon has Sig. Um, Brandon Christensen has, oh boy. A really pretty puppy. <laughs> okay, we'll call it that. Stump the share. Six. Or, uh, oh boy, I'll have to think about that. And then uh, Christine Bethard um, has uh, Roscoe. And that's the newest dog that we have to uh, to our unit. So again, four four dogs. Um, and there's the only way that we're doing that is through community support. So is there a special equipment that these puppies need to have? I keep calling them puppies because I don't care how old the dog is. It's mm. still a puppy. And I understand that they're police dogs. They are dogs. They are trained in a special way. But is there like special equipment that they, they really need to have? Yeah, well, obviously the squad car has to be outfitted uh, differently than a normal squad. You have to have a cage for the dog, and then you have to have that separated from, you know, the, in the back seat. All of our squad cars now um, have a split cage and then a, a split seat if we have to transport somebody. So that's, that's the first and probably most costly um, thing. And then plus with technology, technology is great because um, now that you can have something into a smartphone that will regulate the temperature inside the squad car. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're not having to bring the, the dog in and out of the office all the time. It can stay you know, within the vehicle. The handler can look at his or her phone and see what the temperature is. If there's an issue, an alarm will go off. So there's a lot of specialized equipment that goes into the squad car and obviously leashes and things like that. There's some programs out there called Vesta Dog that um, we've been recipients of uh, getting, you know, bulletproof vests for the dogs. Other than that, that's really, you know, about it. Um, we get most of the, the dog food donated to us through programs. Again, going back to that community support. Um, so a lot of the equipment that we do need, um, we get through donations. So it's just one of those things I can just pick up a bunch of dog treats and bring them on over. So no. that way, or how does, I mean, you know, <clears throat> the, the average citizen, you know, always mm-hmm. is very appreciative of these canines. And so, you know, if I you know, see them out and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go pick up some, some T-bones for, for the puppies. Can, can we do that? Can we just go pick it up and drop it off at the office and say, here, this is for, for the puppy? No, um, specialized diets are, are, are part of, um, you know, how these dogs work. So, you know, and that happens a lot where somebody wants to give like a dog bone or, or something along those lines. And you just can't do that because we regulate the dogs, um, you know, um, meals and, um, their diet is, is, is pretty strict. So, and, and we get asked that a lot, but if people want to support the program and they do, um, you know, they can give us a donation. We can guarantee that it's number one stays local and it'll stay within our canine unit. Um, we've got a, a foundation called the Acacia Foundation that's been in existence for several years and it's a 501c3 foundation. And, What's unique about that is, you know, you can get a write-off and, and what we're looking at doing is establishing enough funds in this foundation to basically, if we can get to about $100,000 into, into that account, um, every five, six years, we'll be able to get a new dog just off of interest alone. Wow. And we're, we're pretty close there. Um, we've, um, we're looking at some new opportunities to market that that foundation a little bit more or like I said we have a canine fund at the sheriff's department that will either put you know donations in there and that's for equipment needs um if it's like what we just had talked about if there's a certain need that, that we're looking at doing um we can look out of there or if there's something like a bigger you know cost we can look to the foundation to get some money out of that but um again community support you know really uh, even during COVID times where we weren't you know, nobody's really actively going out doing programs or, or fundraising or anything. We still had people, you know, Hey, what do you, what can, how can we help you? And I always tell them if you want to look at, cause you know, unfortunately people solicit all the time and sometimes are, aren't representing, you know, us and they'll say they are. And I always tell people that, you know, wait till you hear from like me or, or other people that work for the department that can explain to you what, you know, if we, we will take donations and they mostly revolve around our canine unit and bottom line, that's it. Uh, if somebody would call you and say that we're representing the canine unit, um, that's him. That's, that's, that's not true. Um, we don't go out and do any, you know, major mass callings. We don't do any major emailing. Uh, at this time, but you know, maybe we will in the future. But people will be well, 
that you'll know. Yes, you'll know before that we send that kind of a message out. But unfortunately, there's people out there with the fraud stuff and and they don't have a problem with, you know, saying that they're representing us. And there are some foundations out there nationally, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's up to the individual if they want to support, um, you know, a national law enforcement agency that they might explain. That's, that's, That's up to you. Um, there are some good ones out there, but if you really want to see things, you know, stay locally, you know, just contact your local police or, or sheriff's department and, and ask, how can I give directly to you guys? So I know the money is going to be, um, you know, used the right way. So are you also canine trained? So are you like a backup handler? So if you're out on a scene, something actually happens to the the true handler of the dog. Mm-hmm. Are you trained to be able to get the the dog to do what it's supposed to? So are you canine trained or or is that like not something you guys do? Um, yeah, the department does do it um, periodically with uh, other members of the department, like our special response team. And and even uh, the handler works with the entire shift that they're on, just in case an incident might that like that would happen where the uh, handler cannot get control of the dog or there's for whatever reason that might be. And then a backup officer comes on scene. They know that some of the commands are, are some of those things where they can try to get the dog to come to them and get them back into a squad car. So that, that that's a big part of a train, but even more so our, our can handlers are training every month and they also get recertified by um, the vendor. Okay. Which they'll go down, which again, this is going back to having a, a vendor local here in Wisconsin. We can send people down to get recertified, whether it's for drug work, apprehension, or whatever those requirements are. Can you change um, vendors? So if one of the dogs originally came from, <clears throat> you know, let's say Detroit, and now we want to work, just send everybody to the same location here in Wisconsin, can you change vendors or do you always have to go back to the originating? Um, you can change vendors, and you also there's other federations too that um, are out there. I don't know if they're federations or associations. I'm sorry, that um, are certified as well. Like Waleka is one of them. That's the biggest one in Wisconsin, where they have their own um, following, and they also have um, their own certification process. So you want to do it on two levels: one with Waleka, and then the other one with your vendor. So um, that's constantly going on um, throughout, you know, the year that that our deputies, our canine handlers are are trained. They're always trained in-house once a month. And then, you know, they'll have trained above and beyond that with a vendor or that organization they brought up. Stay tuned and come back for hour two of My Rapids Real Estate Show, where we take a deep dive into central Wisconsin real estate market and more housing-related topics.